Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Friday. So glad to be joining you. We got a fun weekend ahead. Uh, The March Madness season has officially begun in college basketball. There'll be a lot of championship basketball playing out, and then we'll come out of the weekend prepared to have the NCAA tournament. And that is one of my favorite moments in culture and sports. Uh, We're big sports fans in my household. I guarantee you'll be watching a lot of good games this weekend, including my old alma mater. Marquette University, who's doing quite well this year. Very proud of their progress as a top 10 team in the country. Well, listen, we got more serious stuff to focus on first. So we got to get our homework done, eat our vegetables. We've got a lot of discussion about the state of the world. This is a very dramatic week in Washington when it came to national security issues. We had the FBI director, Chris Ray, give testimony saying that TikTok could be used to attack the United States if China were in warfare including taking control of devices and attempting to influence or corrupt our young people, our children, and our young adults. That was dramatic. And then the intelligence agency chiefs gave their annual global assessment, and it was very stark. The conversation really focused on how much more grave the threats from China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran have become in the first two years of the Biden presidency. A lot of people have different conclusions as to why that is, but there is universal agreement that the world is less safe and more volatile today than it was the day that Donald Trump handed the keys of 1600 Pennsylvania over to Joe Biden. What we're going to do today is we have two great guests who are going to dive into that issue right at the top of the show. First up is Fred Flights, a former longtime CIA analyst, one of the most respected voices in the intelligence community. Uh, He then went on to serve as chief of staff to the National Security Council under President Trump. And also Victoria Coates is with us today. She's the former deputy national security advisor to President Trump. They both have some pretty strong assessments about what the intelligence community, about what Chris Ray, what other people this week in a dramatic set of hearings provided us in everyday America. There's a great sense that perhaps We're giving out a little bit too much of our secrets in these hearings. And secondly, that we're perhaps not giving the right policy solutions. We're not implementing the right policy solutions, such as addressing the supply chain, such as getting back to energy independence, things that would lower our vulnerability to China and Russia particularly. And of course, there's also great questions about whether the policy of appeasement that Obama 
and Biden have both pursued with places like Iran, whether it had any real measurable effect or did it make the situation even more dangerous, more serious. So we're going to start off the show today with a very candid conversation about the state of American security with Fred Flights and Victoria Coates. And then we're going to end up with our good friend, Lou Dobbs, who has been really a clarion voice on the border, on economic sanity. And we had a really great conversation about all that happened this week. He has some big picture views of where America's headed, what people are concerned about, and where we can ultimately end up under Joe Biden or after the 2024 election. You're going to definitely want to hear Lou Dobbs. So great show today. Fred Flights, Victoria Coates, Lou Dobbs, back to back to back on the Friday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll kick off our show with Fred Flights. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We all know we live in an increasingly dangerous world, but there was a moment earlier this week when the intelligence community gave its annual assessment of the state of the world that we really had a pause to say, oh, my God, it's gotten a lot worse and it's gotten a lot worse a lot quicker. Yeah, Ukraine, Afghanistan, we know all of them. But the total sum picture that the intelligence community painted to the Senate and the House, uh, some of the most alarming things I've heard said in a very long time. So we brought in someone we love very much. He always makes the world a lot more 
make it makes a lot more sense about the world than most people do. He helps us understand the complexities of it. Longtime intelligence analyst, former chief of staff to the National Security, and really one of America's greatest security experts, joining us right now, Fred Flights. Fred, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John, good to be here. That was quite a set of hearings on Wednesday. We really get a sense of the urgency and the concern that our intelligence community has. There's a lot of places where the security of the of the globe is getting worse quicker, isn't it? Well, John, I, I want to know, why do we do these hearings? Our intelligence agencies spend two hours in unclassified session, and they tell the world all their assumptions, all the things they're thinking about. And look, they say they're unclassified, but you could imagine that in Beijing and Moscow and Havana and Caracas and in Tehran, they're taking careful notes about what these intelligence officials are saying. You know, Russia and China are not stupid enough to put their intelligence officers before cameras to give their assumptions of what they think about the United States. And then these things have been politicized for years. They were suspended in 2020 because in 2019, intelligence officials opined that Trump's uh, initiatives on North Korea and Iran would fail. And and today there are numerous examples of fairly politicized um, analysis that had nothing to do uh, uh, with national security, but pushing the Biden agenda. It is really remarkable. And I, I bet you every enemy and probably all of our allies as well, watch these things and glean all the intelligence that is sitting kind of out in the open. We make open source intelligence a lot more open. When you listen to the the warnings that were being issued yesterday. I mean, the big four, obviously the big four, right? We, we talk about them all the time, Russia, North Korea, Iran, and of course, China. Did you detect any sense of a greater direness in what they're predicting about the outcome? I think it seemed pretty dire, but I don't think it was anything that you and I couldn't have uh, couldn't have gotten from the New York Times. Uh, here, but here's some things that you should know. So they they talked about how there's been uh, an uptick in violence in Iran. Well, they they attributed that to a cultural issue. They did not mention that it was in response to Iranian security officials executing an Iranian woman and there were women-led protests. In fact, women in Iran didn't come up. (laughs) It's unbelievable, isn't it? Even though that is the central issue. And it's what makes this uprising in Iran different than anyone in in history, because there have been many of them always put down brutally. Well, this is even better. The DNI mentioned a concept called racially or ethnically motivated violent extremist groups. It's a term that tries to talk about neo-Nazis and right-wing groups, but, you know, she didn't bother to talk about Antifa. Well, Senator Cotton took issue with her by saying that these these right-wing groups pose a more lethal threat to Americans than fentanyl, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, or Hezbollah. I mean, Cotton was almost laughing at her at, at making this. And she said, I, I watched the House hearing today. She said it again. It's unbelievable. And there was another exchange that I caught on Thursday with Congressman Mike Turner, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, saying, hey, all right, I'm hearing all of your threats. Where's Antifa? Where, where, where is it? What was it? And no answer. And also during this hearing, um, there was a member who said, uh, I would like to know about um, uh, Section 702 and FISA. Congressman LaHood, he's the, I don't know if he's number two or not, uh, said that he's very worried 
about how privacy rights under FISA and Section 702 had been abused and had been abused despite a member of Congress. And he said, and that member of Congress is me. <laughs> he divulged that he had been targeted for a period of time, which there have been hints of, right? But we didn't know who the congressman is. We knew from an earlier IG report that there had been some uh, very questionable thing. I, I want to ask about that a little bit. Because there has always been a designation, at least since 9-11 era, a designation of people who fall into the sensitive case, someone who's a journalist, a pastor, a doctor, or a member of Congress, or someone that belongs to a campaign. It seems as though the threshold for protecting, you know, particularly First Amendment protected activities has been declining, meaning that the intelligence community has less and less reservation looking at somebody that should fall into a really high threshold category for monitoring. Have we lost a little bit of the mindset that civil liberties are at the forefront of our intelligence community's protection responsibilities? There's supposed to be restrictions on journalists. I don't know what they are. I think they're fairly informal. But there are very serious restrictions called the Gates Procedures on spying on members of Congress. That's not supposed to happen. And that has happened during the Obama administration. And the fact that it happened again, it it is very serious that the executive branch is spying on the legislative branch. It's a big deal. And the fact that there seems to be fairly clear evidence of this. So I was very happy that uh, Chairman Turner has made LaHood the subcommittee chairman of the person looking into abuses of FISA and 702, I, I think. It makes it personal. Yeah, it makes it, uh, he has a first-hand experience. Yeah. And that sometimes can bring a great amount of change if the person has that motivation. I've been so confused, and you and I have talked about this once before, but I'm still confused, and now I'm more confused. So Nord Stream 2 gets blown up. The prevailing narrative, and when I talk to intelligence analysts inside the government, they said they still believe even as of this morning that the most likely scenario was that Russia blew up its own Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And then there was this incredible sensational story by Cy Hirsch, who doesn't have a great record recently of accurate stories, but he, he, he suggested the Biden administration did it with excruciating detail, which seemed a little unusual for an intelligence leak. And then the New York Times comes back around and says, well, I know we've been saying Russia, but maybe the Ukrainians did it. What is going on? Is there some subterfuge going on? Or it doesn't seem like Congress or the American people have gotten an honest answer about what happened on that big event. Well, from the very beginning, and when you and I first discussed this months ago, I said I didn't think that Biden had the backbone to do this himself. He probably had another nation do it for the U.S., and he gave them support. I don't think Ukraine could have done this alone. My guess is that the U.S. put them up to it or provided them with the technical means he advanced them. I mean, this is a very deep pipeline. It's 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 covered by cement. You'd have to have some pretty sophisticated machinery and very sophisticated divers to do this. And it's unlikely that Ukraine could do this in an area where they, which isn't contiguous to, uh, to, to Ukraine. I mean, it's not out of their own possibility, but it seems to me that this is a way to escape oversight by Congress by having another state do it. And that gives us plausible deniability. What I find strange is no matter what happened, why did the administration leak that Ukraine did this? You know, what, how did that help? That's that's going to hurt Ukraine and our foreign policy. I don't get it. No, it, it doesn't. And it actually plays into Putin's request that the UN or an international body now look at this because now there's multiple stories coming out of the world superpower and, and we don't seem to even have our own story straight, which seems to be one of the <laughs> the trademarks of Biden's foreign policy. We seem to change the story every few days. 
I want to go back to something that really had been the bedrock of foreign policy for a long time. And that is that we make foreign policy decisions based on our strategic lens of what the American interest is. And on most of the things that the Biden administration has done since it got into power, it seems to me that the definition of the American interest is never really clear or even thought of or defined. And the policies zig and zag. It sometimes it feels like Germany criticized, oh, we better do something, or Britain did that, we better do something. It seems like leading from behind and never doing the basic homework that I think since the Truman-Eisenhower era has been the hallmark of our policy, which is define the American interest, then explain what the mission is based on that interest. Are we missing that? Have we lost the art of defining the American interest as a matter of foreign and security policy? Well, my organization, the America First Policy Institute, we talk about that all the time. The interest is America First energy security, economic security, national security, homeland security. This is a no-brainer. Those are the responsibility of the president. The president is ruining energy security for political reasons. He won't, he won't protect the border for political reasons. His foreign policy is in free fall. So I think you're right. He's lost sight of this. And I mean, the American people notice this. They, that's why the, the ratings for this, for this country, where it's going, are so low why the president's job ratings have, have, been, have been so poor. And, and I think you can start seeing movement on the Hill. I mean, even look at the special commission on China. There's bipartisan agreement on the commission that Nancy Pelosi refused to start, that was started over the objections of Joe Biden. And I think they're making real progress. It has often been said, and I think by some of the wisest people, uh, including you, that economic security is national security, that we need to take our fiscal house seriously because it can put the country in a, in a position to be unable to defend itself. There's a lot of people who say we don't have the fiscal or capability to fight two wars simultaneously, which had long been one of our things. But here's an amazing thing. So we had a big deficit last year, spent, I think, $6.3 trillion dollars. Joe Biden sees Republicans get elected in the House, knowing that they're, you know, the American people elected him in part to start reining in spending. And he drops a $6.8 trillion budget, half a trillion dollars more than the last budget in the face of all these warnings, Fed chairman, CBO, that America can't sustain the debt and the interest payments which are going up. It seems to me that this eliminated any real possibility to find common ground with Republicans or to even equate the spending practices of the Democrats with our national security obligations. What happens here? Well, there won't, it's not a serious budget. It, it was dead on arrival. It was immediately rejected by Republicans. Uh, we may have to run the government with continuing uh, resolutions. I mean, if this is Biden's final position, and I suggest it probably is, uh, it, it's going to be hard to, to uh Get, get agreement on a serious budget, maybe for the rest of his presidency. It's pretty remarkable when you start to look at where the government spends. And this is actual Treasury data that comes from the Treasury Department. It's at fiscaldata.treasury.gov. National defense is now in the number four position and soon could be the number five position. Social security at 19%, health spending 14%, income security uh, 14%, national defense, 12%. Our national defense is now the fourth largest figure. And soon debt payment is going to leapfrog over that, the net interest payment. That is a worrying thing when your national defense spending is well below some other categories. Do you think wiser minds are going to prevail that Democrats and Republicans, like they did on the China threat, may say, hey, we got to change this dynamic real quickly? I, I think we're going to have some agreement on defense defense spending because of increased defense spending by China, uh, concerns of the threat from Russia, concerns that our 
a military arsenal uh, is is being emptied out by sending weapons to Ukraine, I, I think we'll have uh, more more agreement than we might have had last year. Yeah. Boy, that could be a really good sign because we got to start to get that fiscal house in order by so many people's account. I mean, even the CBO, nonpartisan, saying, "Hey, this is not sustainable. We got to we got to change it now." Do you think right now, given the state of the military, that it could, if called upon, fight two simultaneous wars, or are we unable to do that now? I I think we probably are, but I I think I'll let you ask General Kellogg that when you have <laughs> my colleague General Kellogg. Yeah, he would have certainly a better, uh, he, and he thinks about that every day. He certainly has that idea. As you look out now, the last question I want to ask you is the China question. It's clear Maybe the satellite moment got Americans focused on China in a way that they hadn't been for a long time. You have been warning about it for a very long time. There's been so much movement. And one of the things I wonder is if Democrats have really been concerned about China for so long, but their leadership, particularly Nancy Pelosi, wouldn't let them express that. The bipartisan nature of uh, everything from TikTok, getting that off of our devices, to doing the committee, to maybe looking at some punitive measures for China for some of its ill behavior. It seems as though there's bipartisan consensus in a way that we hadn't seen in the last five or six years. Well, look, we saw waffling during these intelligence hearings on the origins of the COVID virus, but we have FBI and DHS coming out saying it probably was a lab leak. I don't want to get into a debate whether it was a biological weapon or not. I think it clearly was a lab leak. And China allowed this virus to spread around the world. We know that it restricted travel in the country when it was aware of this deadly virus, but it allowed its citizens to infect the world. We need to talk about that to say to the administration, stop calling China a competitor. A competitor does not infect the world with a virus it knows is deadly. I mean, that if we use competitor, we're normalizing China's behavior to that of the United States and France and Japan. This was a form of warfare. This was, this was a war crime. We should not be downplaying what the Chinese leadership did here. And that's the point I think we should be talking about more and more, that China deliberately let its citizens infect the world. They knowingly let their citizens infect the world with this virus. And I hope that's going to be a major focus of this special house committee on China. Yeah, that's such an important point. Even if the lab leak itself was an accident, the post-accident policies of China clearly allowed this to spread across the globe and create enormous economic harm to the entire world. And, and that clearly plays into China's long-term strategy to bring the West down so it can rise up as an economic power. What should we be watching for in the next six months for an American response to some of these issues, and then vice versa, where do you think China's next creeping actions are going to be? I think China really is surging its military right now and weighing whether an attack on Taiwan is feasible before Joe Biden possibly leaves office in January uh, 2025. Uh, and that's something we really have to keep an eye on. Uh, the administration isn't making this any easier because it is unnecessarily antagonizing China. Uh, you know, we we have had fruitful diplomacy with adversaries for decades during the Cold War, but the, the Biden administration doesn't seem to understand that. We can stop situations from spinning out of control with dialogue, but, you know, Biden won't call Putin. Our officials won't meet with Chinese officials. I mean, th this, this is just, these are unforced errors that are making bad situations worse. Yeah, it's mind-numbing. The last thing I want to ask, staying on China just for a second, Democratic policies have seemed to give China a much bigger pass than the intelligence warrants. 
and democratic policies for a long time seems to have had a very strong focus on Ukraine, even though a lot of the strategic experts I talk to say Ukraine isn't quite that important to American strategic interests as, you know, as a location. Obviously, there's an opportunity here to weaken Putin, and I understand that, taking advantage of the opportunity. But why have Democrats traditionally over the last decade or so been soft on China? You know, Joe Biden lectured us saying they're not our enemy. They're not, they're not our, they're not even a threat. They're not even a competitor a couple of years ago. And of course, we've been obsessed with Ukraine since 2014. What are driving those two democratic interest points? I think there's this naive view in in um, uh, in the left that China is really a, a benign competitor, and and they they really I mean and we saw this during the Cold War when there was a moral equivalency struck struck between the United States and the Soviet Union by the CIA, and I think we've seen similar things here. You know, it's just a different country with different with a different system. Uh, I, I I mean, other people have read more nefarious motives into it. And I've had this argument whether uh, it's incompetence uh, or uh, something worse concerning where China is. It's certainly at least incompetence in that we have uh, foreign policy advisors who simply don't see what's going on here. They don't see China's objectives uh, to, to be the world's leading power if, if using violence if necessary. Yeah, that's such a great analysis. And when I talk to people, that's literally, I've heard that. You go to these globalist conferences and that was actually preaching. It was the gap between what these globalists believed or were saying and what the intelligence community and military leaders were saying was so far apart and it just keeps widening over the last few years. It's such an amazing dynamic. Fred, it's always an honor to have you on the show. You bring such wisdom and such clarity to a lot of issues where people sometimes are scratching their head. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Great to be here, John. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back, everybody. I don't know if our next guest gets enough credit for all that she has accomplished so far in her career, especially the last five or so years, although the Heritage Foundation is very lucky to have her now. She previously served in many high-profile governmental roles, such as Senior Advisor to the Energy Secretary, Deputy National Security Advisor, and was even appointed to run the Middle East Broadcasting Network. Joining us now is one of our favorite guests, Victoria Coates. I know that I probably missed a few titles there in the list, so feel free to add those in, but it's great to have you back on the show. Well, thank you, Amanda. To paraphrase my old boss, Don Rumsfeld, you make me sound like I can't hold a job, but <laughs> I appreciate it. No. Kind words. no, I just think that you're a great multitasker. That's what it is. Uh, I wanted to ask you, speaking of old bosses, you and your old boss, President Trump, uh, recognized the importance of energy independence with respect to national security. In 2019, it was the first time that we were energy independent since, I think, 1957. 
For that administration, that obviously was a national security issue. This administration does not seem to connect the dots. They don't see the connection between energy independence and national security, and that bears out in their policies. Why doesn't this administration see how important it is? Well, I think it's because they've taken on this issue of climate change as, as really a religion, that they they feel climate change is the existential threat to the entire planet. It's not just, I mean, for their perspective, not mine, it's not just a threat to the United States, it's a threat to everyone, and we should all be banding together to fight this threat. And that means that we should dampen down the enormous uh, resources that the United States has in fossil fuels, be it coal, natural gas, or oil, and almost unilaterally disarm and go to renewables and stop the production of, of those fuels just to better better the planet. And, you know, that sounds nice, but the problem is that our adversaries and even most of our allies are doing nothing of the sort. We're the only ones who are forcing ourselves down this path. And it puts us in a very dangerous place as a nation. Yeah, we're a party of one, and it's not a very comfortable ride right now. Um, Victor, I want to take you to Ukraine. I've seen a lot of naive headlines in the news media re recently covering the war, kind of from a tick and tack perspective. But really, we're, there is a lot of concern when I talk to intelligence experts that the war is at a tipping point. Some very troubling things here. A lot of people saying, well, Putin can't launch a spring offensive. Oh, yes, he can. And hypersonic missiles could be part of that. And then there's been the continued shelling of that U Ukrainian nuclear plant. Tell us what you think is really going on versus some of this oversimplified storylines we've been getting in the media. Yeah, it's, it's a very dangerous moment. And you've heard from pundits on both sides of the aisle that the buildup of weapons to Ukraine by the Biden administration has so degraded the Russian military that they were incapable of mounting a spring offensive. Well, that, that wasn't true. Right. So I think what you know, a number of us have been arguing really for close close on to 10 months. I mean, it's sort of sad it's gone on so long, which is, you know, if President Biden wanted to commit the United States taxpayer to this fight to this degree, he should do it in a way that would win the war. That clearly hasn't been done. And Putin is capable of mounting a spring offensive. We did see hypersonic missiles used uh, over today and then the previous offensive yesterday. We do see the Russians shelling indiscriminately the Zaporizhia, the largest uh, nuclear power plant in Europe, which could result in a horrible Chernobyl-style kind of accident at any time, to which the Russians are obviously not, I mean, they don't think that's a bad thing. But maybe that's what they mean by Russians or by uh, Putin's nuclear attack on Europe is that he'll create this kind of uh, civilian nuclear meltdown that will be horrific for the continent. And that's the way he takes Ukraine. Are we prepared for that? I don't see any signs that we are. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It's scary to think about. Victoria, you mentioned the money um, that is going over to Ukraine. We, we saw a report this morning that Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy has turned down an invitation by Zelensky to visit Ukraine. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't know how useful it is for any of our senior people's time, including the president, to spend 10 hours on a train when Putin knows exactly where you are going into Ukraine and then coming out to have a photo op with President Zelensky. So, you know, I think the speaker has been very supportive of the fight in Ukraine. Uh, but the question is, how is this money being spent? And somebody who did find it 
useful to spend 20 hours in a train recently with Secretary of the Treasury Yellen, Mm -hmm. who went in to talk about another 50 billion uh, that they were Mm going to commit to Ukraine in terms of civil society relief. This is not the job of the American taxpayer to be funding pensions and hospitals in Ukraine. If we're going to support this war, we should support it in lethal military aid. That's what we do best. The rest of it can come from Brussels. We can't care more about European security than the Europeans do. And if we are constantly being the, you know, the, the lender of last resort, the person who steps in when Brussels refuses to honor its, uh, its commitments, then, I mean, we're just, this is an endless money pit, literally, for the U.S. taxpayer. Yeah, and the, the definition of victory is still not clear from this president. I think we know what it should be, but he hasn't defined it as such. And I think that's a, a really troubling matter. Uh, I want to ask about something else. There's a lot of money going to Afghanistan, and people say, wait, that can't be, be possible. The Taliban in charge. We wouldn't give money to the Taliban, but oh, yes, we are. Tell us how why we're all occupied by all these other crises. Uh, the money to go into Afghanistan troubles so many people. No, it's it's been a really difficult 24, maybe 36 hours now for anyone who has been tracking Afghanistan from the hearings yesterday and the really, really searing testimony by the Marine who was on the ground talking about what he witnessed. And the, I mean, I can't come up with another phrase, the dereliction of duty that went on during this just shameful withdrawal from Afghanistan. And the fact that we would now have the State Department and USAID, you know, trying to have honorary ceremonies for Af- Afghan women who are now suffering most grievously under under Taliban rule and sending money into that country. And the notion that that any of it is going to go where the Taliban don't direct it, and which is certainly not going to be to, tell, to Afghan women and girls, is, is just an embarrassment. And it means that we're being led around by the nose by the UN NGOs who make their money off of this. They take a cut of all of that. So we're just participating in it. We, we are now complicit in what's happening to women and girls in Afghanistan. And it's, it's, it's shameful and heartbreaking. That it is. Victoria, we love having these global conversations with you, but I want to bring it home to a uh, national security threat that is right at our southern border. John and I have been talking about this on air this week, the fact that fentanyl poisoning has become the number one leading cause of death among 18 to 45. At what point does this administration recognize and therefore legislate upon the fact that this is a national security threat? It's 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 a crisis for all of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we we all you know, anyone who has a child in that in that uh, age frame has to be concerned uh, about what may or may not be passed to them and what happened to the four American citizens who went into Mexico, whether it was wise or not for them to go into Mexico. They were you know, they were within their rights to do it. But I mean, they should not have been dragged from their car and two of them murdered and the others tortured. I mean, this is ridiculous. And I think we have to recognize the fact that this is a concerted effort on the part of both the communist Chinese who are feeding the chemicals to the Mexican cartels. And we have to have a really hard conversation with our good friend India, which is also a producer of these chemicals and say, you know, we are going to sanction the bejesus out of anybody who produces this stuff. 
we don't want these sanctions to fall on you. So how about you don't do that anymore? Uh, I mean, India has been, as I said, great friend, biggest democracy in the world. We should be working with them on this and then punishing the communist Chinese and whatever parts of the Mexican government are unwilling to work with us on cracking down with the cartels. And just stop treating this as a kind of minor law enforcement uh, effort and treat it like a national crisis because that's what it is. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. He led relentlessly in helping to expose the FBI's misconduct in the Russia case on national television. And today he hosts one of my favorite newscasts, The Great America Show. He's the one and only Lou Dobbs. Lou, welcome to the show. Great to be with you, John. Amanda. Good to have you, sir. I want to ask about this. Imagine how much history could have been different if the FBI just gave a defensive briefing like they would have given any other presidential candidate and didn't try to concoct a case that dominated our country for, for three long years. You know, that's a great point, John. And so much could have been uh, quite different. For example, uh, President Trump wouldn't be in the seventh year of a political persecution uh, that started just about that time uh, in, in midsummer of 2016. Uh, and, and we, you know, we think back to that. The Loretta Lynch uh, meeting with, with Bill Clinton that follows within just uh, right. really a couple of weeks. Uh, what was that discussion? We never did truly find out. We don't know much as a result of the redactions here. Truth is in uh, you know, scarce supply right now in Washington, D.C. This administration, the Obama administration, both are absolutely burying uh, any access to the realities uh, of their of those two administrations. If indeed there are two separate administrations, this one seems uh, to be often the third term of the Obama presidency, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, it's incredible to see. And, and Lou, you have a great overall perspective of, of multiple different administrations. Um, I wanted to ask you about something I flicked at at the top of the show. Gigi Sohn, again, another addition on this list of Biden appointees that have not made it through the confirmation process in the Senate. I don't think we've ever seen this number of appointees by a president not make it through. According to Senator Joe Manchin, it's because she worked with far left groups. She was a part of an activ partisan activist. Um, what's the common denominator? with all of these nominees? The common denominator, ideological activists in nearly every instance. We're talking about, uh, these are not socialists in, in the Democrat, uh, the progressive Democrat uh, party. These are Marxists and they have records of uh, incitement, uh, agitation. They are truly working against the American system as we know it. 
if you will, the American way of life. And in every instance, they don't belong in government. And by the way, that was known to Joe Biden and his administration long before they were put on a list. They're there because of their activism, because of their ideological commitment. When we look at this government broadly, Amanda, this uh, this government is uh, right now working against the American people. We talk about the weaponization of government, uh, but that leaves out the other part of the uh, the correlation. And that is that makes the American people the enemy. We are in their sights and they mean to have their way and re- and reverse uh, this country's heritage, its history uh, and our destiny. And, and to eliminate entirely our, our values. This is uh, an administration held bound to do it. Yeah, such a great summary of where we are in the state of this great country. Lou, uh, over the last couple of months, we've chronicled the information coming in from FBI whistleblowers. First, we learned that a threat tag, a domestic terrorism threat tag, was put on school parents who went to school board meetings. Then we were told they created a domestic terrorism tag to put against Catholics who liked the Latin mass over yeah. the weekend, we got testimony from a new whistleblower, a new FBI whistleblower, who says they created a domestic terrorism uh, threat tag for abortion. And originally, it was supposed to be applied to those people who were blowing up uh, some of the pro-life uh, facilities around the country. But very quickly, the FBI partisans turned it around and applied it to uh, pro-life activists, calling them the threat, even though that's not even what the tag was created for. How do we solve this problem of the FBI becoming so liberally indoctrinated and so unequally applying the concepts of law enforcement? Well, I think it's a great question and perhaps the toughest one facing us because now the American people know the degree uh, to which the FBI has been corrupted politically. Uh, they know the degree to which the, the management, uh, the executives of the Justice Department are applying pressure to field offices to create co- something called domestic terrorism by which they mean parents of school children, by which they mean uh, pro-life activists, by which they mean everyday American citizens who are in some way resistant to the efforts of this administration to to roll back uh, American history, American values, uh, and our way of life, and our government, of course. Uh, how do we fix it? We have to begin by winning electorally. I truly believe uh, there is no other way, John, Uh, Either the Republican Party uh, matures and matures quickly, uh, gets well beyond the Ronald McDaniel uh, rhino brand of Republican, and really understands that if we are the enemy of the government, the government is the enemy of the American people. It's that straightforward. We can no longer Mm -hmm. pretend that Democrats are uh, members of the loyal opposition. This is a party that is hell-bent on changing uh, fundamentally, as Barack Obama first put it, fundamentally transforming the United States of America. That is the process that's well underway, and the Republican parties to this party to this point has not shown sufficient resistance uh, to even delay the, the process, and we have to fully engage, absolutely. Yeah, so important. Yeah. You're absolutely right. There's this inverse relationship between the power of the government and the power of the people, and we've got to figure out how to how to reverse that. Um, Speaking of corruption, I wanted to ask you about this footage that has been percolating on the Internet for the last 24 hours. Uh, This footage from January 6th 6th that was released, Um, one of, I think, the the most 
stark examples was the what, what they call sh- the uh, QAnon shaman Shame. being yeah. yeah being basically escorted through the Capitol, not in handcuffs, not arrested, no resistance whatsoever from Capitol Police. He's being ushered in there. It, it certainly appears. Does this blow to bits any argument they ever had against these J6 defendants? Well, it certainly does in the case of uh, the the shaman or the shaman, depending on how you want to pronounce it, uh, the man with the horns in, a, uh, in his hat. Uh, it, it This is an escort either way, uh, and they're going to precisely the point that either he has to be taken or that they said that you should really see this. Uh, it is It has nothing to do with anything said by any member of the J6 committee. Uh, the J6 committee was from the beginning a, a farcical exercise, a fully partisan uh, witch hunt uh, that was created uh, for the purpose of exploiting a day and a date uh, and a demonstration uh, for political electoral purposes for the Democrats. And it's and in and, and point of fact, it, even as determined as they were, these uh, Marxist Dems who sat up there uh, behind uh, that big bench and played uh, inquisitor, uh, it failed electorally, or otherwise the House would not be in the control of the Republican Party. The American people are looking at this and watching this, and they know that those 900 Americans who are still in prison and jail cells in the Washington, D.C., or the environs of D.C., they are political prisoners. They know that they that these people are just being brutalized by the federal judiciary. I'm talking about the prosecutors. I'm talking about the courts. I'm talking about the FBI. Those people are, they should be ashamed. Uh, they should in, apologize to the American people and get down on their hands and knees and beg the forgiveness of these 900 people uh, who are still are incarcerated. Uh, we're talking now over two years, two years from January 6th. And the Republican Party has been helpless. The federal government is is part of the these are part of the uh, the, the Marxist deep state who are demanding this retribution against people who simply wanted to demonstrate. Now there were bad actors, but yeah. they may, they would number it best in the dozens and certainly not in the hundreds. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. 
right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News. A big thank you to Fred Flights, to Victoria Coates, and to Lou Dobbs for spending so much time with us, for having an honest conversation about the state of the world, state of the economy, and the state of the electorate. Really, a lot of big thoughts in that. I was struck by several of the things that Fred Flights said, including whether our country increasingly is sharing too much intelligence too much of our national secrets in open, giving both ally and adversaries access to things that they might not otherwise be entitled to, or which also may put us behind the eight ball. I really thought that point by Fred Flights really resonated, something to think about as we go into the weekend. All right, folks, we got a full slate of shows for the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Some big weekend guests, including Mark Robinson, one of the most exciting political figures in the Republican Party, a rising star. He's the lieutenant governor of North Carolina, got to run for governor next year, try to take a Democratic state house and put it back into Republican hands. He's going to be on, on top. we got Senator Rod Johnson, a lot of news to talk to him about, including with January 6th. Dave Bossie's going to be with us. He's always an extraordinary conversation. We look forward to that. Lots of members of Congress that I'm looking forward uh, to as well. Uh, Andy Biggs will be on the show. Heritage is best expert in national security matters. James Carafano, he'll be with us. And also, for the first time ever, a woman who made history last year as the first Mexican-born female member of Congress. Maya Flores is going to join us from Texas. She's got an exciting new project on Latino radio and Latino media she wants to talk to us about. And also, we'll have a pretty good conversation at the border. So a very good weekend. Be sure to tune in. We'll have some great food for thought Saturday and Sunday here on John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Until then, if you want to do something to stay in touch with the news so that wherever you are at any moment, if there's breaking news, you get alert on your phone. All you got to do is download the Just the News app from the iOS Apple Store and the Android Store. We have apps in both stores. They're easy to use. They give you three ways to engage the content of Just the News, including watch. That's our video services and TV shows. Listen, this podcast and many others like it, Victor David Hansen and others. And read, of course, reading stories all the time. Badge alerts, email newsletters, all sorts of extraordinary things available through that app. Be sure to download it and check it out. It is a real winner. All right, folks, with that, we're going to head into the first real weekend of March Madness. Big championship weekend in the conferences, followed by the big tournament. Be sure to have a great weekend. And tune in Saturday and Sunday for all the great guests. Good night now. God bless you.